going to commence proper by singing number six. Welcome everyone tonight to our praise service. At page 177, you'll find it. Praise my soul, the King of heaven. To his feet my tribute bring ransom, heal, restored, forgiven. Who like thee his praise should sing. It's a good hymn to open up with. Let's stand this time as we worship the Lord, please. take a moment to still our hearts as we commit our meeting into the presence of the Lord in prayer. One of our own young youth fellowship, Daniel, is going to lead us to the throne of grace, please. Let's all 
Unite our hearts together, every head bowed, and every eye closed as we talk to the Lord tonight. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that we can come as a group of young people into your presence. We thank you, Lord, that we come in Jesus' precious name. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for the praise that we have been singing. We thank you, Lord, for how we can uplift your precious name. We thank you, Lord, that, we, that so many in the meeting tonight can testify that they know the grace of God, that they have known uh, what it means to put their faith and put their trust in Christ alone. And Father, I just pray as we uh, would have this praise service tonight, I pray, Father, that you would draw very near. Lord, we desire for your presence. We desire, Lord, that you would remove every distracting thought, Lord, of even what we'll do afterwards. But I just pray, Lord, even for this short time as we sing your praises, Lord, as we hear your word being preached, I pray, Lord, that you would draw very near. I ask, Lord, that you would speak uh, to young people tonight. I thank you, Lord, that you're a God that speaks. I thank you, Lord, that you're a God who desires to change lives. And, Lord, I just pray if there's any unsaved in our meeting tonight, Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you would search them out. We thank you, Lord, that Christ died for the ungodly. We thank you, Lord, that Christ died for sinners. We thank you, Lord, that Christ came to seek and to save that which was lost. And, Father, I just pray that you would uh, come. And, Lord, I pray that you'd be present in our meeting. And, Lord, I pray for Mr. Stewart as he would open up your word. I pray, Lord, that you would fill him with your spirit. Lord, we pray that you control him by your spirit as he preaches your word tonight. May he have a word from yourself, O oh God. And I desire, Lord, that you would have the preeminence in this meeting tonight. Lord, we don't want to go away talking about how great the singers were or how great the preacher was. But, Father, we want to be going saying, great is thy faithfulness. We want to go away rejoicing in your name. And Lord, I just pray that you would use this meeting uh, for your glory. I pray, Father, that young people will be able to testify that even tonight, Lord, uh, on this date in January, that the Lord uh, dealt with them. I pray, Father, that uh, young people would realize the need to serve the Lord. I pray, Lord, that they would realize uh, what, what Christ has done for them. Lord, will they not render unto the Lord for all his benefits towards them? Father, we just pray that you continue on with us as we worship you. Father, we desire that we would worship you in spirit and in truth. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to take this opportunity of welcoming and thanking our singers for coming tonight. We have our sister Charlotte Cockey from the Peninsula. And uh, she's going to come and sing her first piece. And then following that... Stephen Patterson, and he's bringing his couple of pieces, and then Stephen Greer uh, with also a couple of pieces. So we do thank each of them for coming. Some of them have traveled uh, a fair distance to be here, and we appreciate that. And we trust the Lord will bless them as they administer in song just now.
closest friend, strong deliverer, beginning and end. All within me falls at your throne, your majesty.
from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and Still cling to the 
things above, of Jesus and his glory, of Jesus and his love. Tell me the story simply as to a little child. Yeah. 
soul retreated with humble hope attend thy will and wait beneath thy feet returning to first samuel chapter number 10 and as you turn there let me say how blessed I have been through the ministry and just sat and thought if that is what our earthly voices are like what will our glorified voices be like and we want to thank God for the gifts and talents of those who have sung this evening the opportunity uh, to share the pulpit here with Reverend Patterson we thank you for uh, the invitation I'm speaking to someone today and they said you should be very humble that they still want you to preach at a youth rally. Uh, they were making me out to be very old, uh, but I suppose whenever you reach 40 and over that, well, then you do get older. Uh, but we're glad to be here, and we trust the Lord will speak to your soul. So let's uh, take up the reading. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 10 and the verse number 17. 1 Samuel 10, the verse 17, uh, let's hear God's word. And Samuel called the people together on to the Lord to Mizpah. And said unto the children of Israel, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I brought thee up Israel out of Egypt, and delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians, and out of the hand of all the kingdoms, and of them that oppressed you. And ye have this day rejected your God, who himself saved you out of all your adversities and your tribulations. And ye have said unto him, Nay, but set a king over us. Now therefore... Present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and by your thousands. And when Samuel had caused all the tribes of Israel to come near, the tribe of Benjamin was taken. When he had caused the tribe of Benjamin to come near by their families, the family of Matri was taken. And Saul, the son of Kish, was taken. And when they sought him, he could not be found. Therefore they inquired of the Lord further, if the man should come hither. And the Lord answered, Behold, he hath hid himself among the stuff. And they ran and fetched him thence. And when he stood among the people, he was higher than all the people from his shoulders and upward. And Samuel said to all the people, See ye him whom the Lord hath chosen, that there is none like him among all the people. And all the people shouted and said, God save the king. Then Samuel told the people the manner of the kingdom, And wrote it in a book and laid it up before the Lord. And Samuel sent all the people away, every man to his house. And Saul also went home to Gibeah. And there went with him a band of men whose hearts God had touched. But the children of Belial said, How shall this man save us? And they despised him and brought him no presents. But he held his peace. We'll end our reading at the natural break, at the conclusion of the chapter. Let's just briefly bow in prayer together. Loving Father, we thank thee for thy hand upon the meeting, the praise that has been offered congregationally and as soloists, lifting hearts and voices to our great God. We thank thee for the one who is worthy of our praise. We thank thee that we've been singing of him and we've been listening about him and how thrilling it is to consider all that Jesus Christ is to his people. 
and even to the unsaved. And we pray that tonight, Lord, that it'll become even more precious as we consider the word together. Bless our hearts, Lord. Come and touch us by your Spirit. Fill me, O God, I pray, with the Holy Ghost and with power. May thy hand be upon the entirety and the concluding part of this meeting. May it come to a great climax. May lives be changed, destinies as well. May young people give themselves over to serve the King. Answer prayer. Glorify thy Son. Exalt the Lamb. And hide man well behind the cross. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The record of 1 Samuel chapter 10 brings us to consider one of the lowest points in the entire history of the children of Israel. Up until this moment of time, Israel had been a theocracy. While the surrounding nations had their human leaders, Jehovah was Israel's king. However, Israel, having looked around at the neighboring nations, wanted to be like them. They wanted to have a human king. Now Samuel the prophet, God's messenger at that time, tried to dissuade them by reminding them of the costly consequences that would flow from having a human king. But the people would have none of it. They replied to his appeal not to pursue such a course of action with the words, We will have a king over us that we also may be like all the nations. Really, the people place their wills above God's revealed will. And that is always a recipe for disaster. When we try to put our wills above God's revealed will, Samuel's initial reluctance to implement the nation's request dissipated whenever God directed his servant to set in motion the choosing of Israel's first king. We read the outcome of that process here in 1 Samuel chapter 10. And how Saul, the son of Kish from the tribe of Benjamin, was chosen to be Israel's first human monarch. Having rehearsed before the nation all that happened within the nation and the manner of the nation and written it in a book and laid it up before the Lord, we're told that then Samuel sent the people home. Verse 25, and Samuel sent all the people away, every man to his house. Surprisingly, one of the men that went home that day was the newly elected and chosen king. And yet the inspirer of scripture, God the Holy Spirit, tells us that Saul didn't go home alone that day. But in verse 26, it says, Yes, Saul went home to Gibeah, and there went with him a band of men whose hearts God had touched. It was to this verse that God drew my attention to again. I want to speak to you this evening on the king's band. And I trust that God will minister to your heart. Just two thoughts as we consider this portion of God's Word, particularly the verses 26 and 27 with regard to the king's band. I want you to note, first of all, with me, the, the king that this band of men followed. The king that this band of men followed. We're told in the verse 26, and there went with him. Speaking of Saul, there went with him a band of men. 
I can only imagine that there must have been something that these men saw in Saul that made them forsake all and to follow after the newly appointed king. Something had won their hearts to him. Maybe it was his handsome looks, his tall stature. Maybe it was the thought that, well, they're now following not Saul the Benjamite, the son of Kish, but now we're following after Israel's new king. But something, we're not told what, but something arrested their hearts, captured their lives, and caused them to abandon everything and follow after the newly elected king. Now, while undoubtedly our thoughts immediately and naturally turn to Saul whenever we read 1 Samuel chapter 10, I believe that the details within the chapter point us, albeit vaguely, they do point us to a greater king, heaven's king, the Lord Jesus Christ. Saul is not a type of Christ. We cannot say that at all, but in some ways he does picture Jesus Christ. There are certain similarities between Saul and Jesus Christ that we find here within this chapter and the surrounding chapters. I want you to note them with me as we consider the king that these men followed, because in a similar way, this is the king that we follow as we resemble or as we see him figuring none other than the greatest of kings, the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to notice, first of all, just like King Saul, Christ the great king is the anointed king. He is the anointed king. Because if you cast your eye down to the concluding verse of chapter 9 and then to the opening verse of chapter 10, you'll find that Saul was anointed by Samuel in a private ceremony to be Israel's king. Because in verse 27, chapter 9, it says, And as they were going down to the end of the city, Samuel said to Saul, Bid the servant pass on before us. And he passed on. But stand thou still a while, that I may show thee the word of God. Then Samuel took a vial of oil, and poured it upon his head, and kissed him, and said, Is it not because the Lord hath anointed thee to be captain over his inheritance. Saul was anointed with oil on that particular occasion to indicate that he was God's appointed king. The anointing indicated that he had been appointed to become the king over the nation. The title Christ, the title ascribed to heaven's king, reminds us that the Son of God is God's anointed one. He has been anointed by the Spirit. And to do so, to execute the offices of prophet and priest and king for his people. In the book of Isaiah, and then over in Luke chapter 4, Jesus Christ taking the words from Isaiah and applying them to himself, he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he hath anointed me to preach the gospel. Christ was the anointed king. Over in Hebrews we read in chapter 1, verse 8 and 9, But unto the Son he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is a scepter of thy kingdom. 
that was loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. And so just as this band of men in 1 Samuel chapter 10 followed after an anointed king, so every Christian follows after Christ, the anointed one. As his band of men, we could put it like that. As his followers, we listen and heed to the counsel of he who is God's anointed prophet. As his band, we rest and trust in the sacrifice of he who is God's anointed priest. And as his band, we follow and we pledge our allegiance to him who is God's anointed king. I trust tonight, young people, find you following after the king of kings. Trust tonight you're not following after the world or your own fleshly desires or your own fleshly ambitions. I tell you, young people, he's worth the following. He's worth the following. This anointed king, Christ himself. In the second place, he's not only the anointed king, he is the homeward bound king. The homeward bound king. Our text in the verse 26 tells us that Saul also went home. Then it tells us where that home was to a place called Gibeah. The name Gibeah means simply hell. And thus Saul, can you imagine it as he now begins his way home, his homeward journey, he was ascending the hill, the hill of Gibeah. As I thought about that, I thought about our king. I thought about on his homeward journey the various hills that he climbed. I think about the hill of Calvary. He climbed that hill before he ever made his way back home again, having come down from above and lived among humanity for those 33 years, taking to himself our humanity and yet never at any time divesting himself of his deity, Jesus Christ climbed the hill of Calvary. And what a hill it was. What a hill Calvary was for the Son of God. It was a hill of scorn. It was a hill of scoffing. It was a hill of shame. It was a hill of suffering. It was a hill of substitution. It was a hill of separation. Ah, but thank God it was a hill of satisfaction where he would satisfy the Father's demands and satisfy the payment for sin. And so he climbed that hill and then eventually having been buried and rising again from the dead, Jesus Christ then entered into the holy hill of Zion. On his ascension, he climbed the hill of Zion. Psalm 2, verse 6. Psalm 2 being a messianic psalm. We read there in the verse 6, Jehovah declares, Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. Our king, our king has ascended on high. He has climbed, thank God, the holy hill of Zion. He's taken his station at the Father's right hand. Homeward bound, he climbed the hill. No one ever saw set his compass for home that particular day. This band of men, as they, they followed in his footsteps, they were being drawn nearer and nearer to the king's home. As we follow our king, 
day by day. Day by day, hour by hour, and month by month, and year by year, we're being drawn home closer and closer to our heavenly king's home, homeward bound. That's the direction of every Christian here this evening. We're homeward bound. This world isn't our home. We're simply pilgrims and strangers here. I wonder, does how we live, does it reflect our pilgrim status? This is how we're described in the book of Hebrews, that we're strangers and pilgrims. We seek a, 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 a better city, a heavenly city, a, a city who's, who hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. I wonder, are we living for this world? Are we settling down in this world? Or are we living for the world that is to come? Is it the case? Is it the case in our, in our lives that we're so attached to this world that the ungodly look on and they wonder whether or not there actually is a world to come. We say we, there is, but we're so worldly, so earthbound. I wonder, young person, do you feel at home in this world? I would question whether or not you know Christ if you feel at home in this world. Charles Philpot, or Joseph Charles Philpot, a 19th century English preacher, and he said this, if you are at home in the world, if the things of time and sense are your element. If you feel one with the company of the world, the maxims of the world, the fashions of the world, the principles of the world, he said, grace has not reached your heart. The faith of God's elect, he says, does not dwell in your bosom. Let us in our talk, let us in our behavior, let us in our dress and our aspirations prove that this world is not our home, but that heaven is. Their king was the homeward bound king. Our king is at home, and we're we're just following, we're just following him home. Just like Saul, Christ the great king is the despised king. Look at the details there in the verse 27. It says, but the children of Belial said, how shall this man save us? And they despised him and brought him no presents. We notice here that Saul was not accepted by all within the kingdom at this particular time. The sons of Belial, having scrutinized their king, they said sarcastically about him, how shall this man save us? Is this our king? This is what they were nearly saying. Is this the one who's supposed to be the one who's going to save us from our enemies? And so unconvinced by Saul's ability to lead the nation and rule them as a people, we're told simply that they despised him and they brought him no presence. As I thought of that word, they despised him, there were words that came almost immediately into my mind concerning the great king. Christ. Their words written by Isaiah the prophet. In Isaiah 53 verse 3, he is speaking of the Savior. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Jesus Christ was and continues still to be the despised king. Maybe you despise him tonight.
Maybe you have no love for him. Maybe you would say, as these men said, How shall this man save us? But see if he does. He bears it in his very name. The purpose of his coming was to save us from our sin. This man, the God-man, truly, genuinely, eternally and satisfactorily saves all that come on to God by him. Don't despise him. Receive him. Believe in him to the saving of your soul. You know, our Savior, our King is despised. You need to be aware of that. You need to be aware of that, young people. If you're going to follow Christ the King, if you intend to follow Him, if you desire to be a Christian and you're going to follow Him for the rest of your life, you need to realize, you need to understand, you need to become acquainted with this very truth, this very reality, that you're going to follow one who is despised. And because he is despised, because of your identification with him, you're going to be despised. The world will hate you when you follow your king. Just like Saul, in the fourth place, Christ the great king is the transcendent king. Concerning Saul, God, the Holy Spirit, he informs us in the verse 23 that when he stood among the people, he was higher than any of the people from the shoulders and upwards. Saul literally stood head and shoulders above everybody else who had gathered before the Lord in Mizpah that day. Can I say, young people, that our King, Jesus Christ, He stands head and shoulders above any rival. Thank God there is none that is equal to Him. He transcends all others. He is exalted far above all. He is higher than any of the people. His love transcends all other love. His grace transcends all other grace. His mercy transcends all other mercy. His power transcends all other power. His beauty transcends all other beauty. He transcends all others. Our King, the King eternal, immortal, invisible. Praise God for our transcendent King. Oh, let our eyes be fixed then on him who is higher than any of the people, our exalted king. Just like Saul, Christ the great king is the silent and non-retaliating king. Never the children of Belial despised the king and said, how shall this man save us? Notice how Saul responded to their disparaging remarks and their actions. We're told in verse 27, he held his peace, he said nothing. He is the silent, he is the non-retaliating king. He's now the king. He could have very easily, he could have very easily cut them off in a moment of time, give the orders to this new band of men who were following him 
And in an instant, all of those children of Belial could have been cut off. But Saul exhibited long-suffering. Saul exhibited patience with those who despise him. There are people, young people here tonight, and you have despised the king of glory. You're still not a Christian. God could very easily cut you off, but the God of the Bible is a God of long-suffering. He is a patient. He is a merciful God. And here is the king, King Saul. He holds his peace. I think of heaven's king. When he was despised and rejected of man, do we not see a similar reaction with regard to our Savior? 1 Peter 2, 23, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Again, over there in Isaiah 53, Isaiah speaks of the Savior in these ways. He is the one who opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. Is this how we respond to those who despise us and who say all manner of evil against us? Do we hold our peace or do we take ourselves on to some social media platform and give as good as we get? I'll let them know. That is not like the Savior. May we learn that there's a time to keep silence and there's a time to speak. And so we thought about this king that these people and these men followed. But having thought about the king, I want us now to consider the band of men who followed this king. If King Saul is in some faint way a representation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, heaven's king, then this band of men, surely could we not at least spiritualize it tonight, whether I be right to do that or not. I trust I am, but could we not say that those who identified with Saul in some way identify and really represent us who identify with heaven's monarch, those who have decided to follow Jesus, to follow the king of kings, There are some distinguishing features about this band of men that are drawn to our attention in these two verses that are worthy of our consideration. I want you to notice, first of all, their conduct. The conduct of the men is seen there in the opening words of the verse 6. And Saul also went home to Gibeah, and there went with him a band of men. Underline those words, there went with him. You see, their going with him would draw the line of demarcation between them and the children of Belial. They didn't go with him. They did not go with him, but these men did go with their newly elected king. You see, these men were of a different spirit. They chose to follow the king wherever he went. I wonder, is the conduct of this band of men our conduct Do we follow our king wherever he goes? Wherever he goes, we simply follow. We follow the king. 
You see, Christians on the most basic level are simply followers of Jesus Christ. And if you're a follower of heaven's king, if you're a follower of Christ, and I'm talking about a genuine follower of Jesus Christ, then you're going to be where he is. You're going to follow him where he is. Wherever he is found is where you'll be found. And that means you'll be at your midweek prayer meeting, whatever night that is, during the week in your local church, because that's where you'll find the king. And you'll find him at your youth fellowship on a Friday night or whatever night you meet, because that's where you'll find your king. And you'll be in your place at the local church on the Lord's Day, Sunday morning and Sunday evening, because that's where you'll find your king. The scripture says that where two or three are gathered together, in my name there am I. In the midst of them, the king is present when the church meets. And so if you follow, and if you're going to follow your king, you're going to find him in those places. Do you go to your prayer meeting? Do you go to your youth fellowship? Do you go to your church? Do you find him there? That's where the king is found. And following the king, these men, they walked in his footsteps. He led, and they simply followed In 1 John 2 verse 6 we read, He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk even as he walked. Following in his footsteps. Not only following in his footsteps, but following in his shadow. You see, the king went before to take the preeminent, prominent place. Really, there wasn't much interest with regard to these band of men. Their names are not mentioned. We're not even told how many men gathered to Saul that day. That wasn't important because it is the king who takes the preeminent place. They simply fall in behind him. They're in his shadow. John the Baptist said, He must increase, but I must decrease. Are we in his shadow? Is Christ preeminent, prominent in our lives? Are we a band of young people who are willing to go with the king of kings all the ways? And so there is their conduct. Notice, secondly, their configuration. With unquestionable loyalty to their king, these men, they gathered themselves together and they formed themselves into a band of men. This group of men united under one head, under the headship of the king. They banded now themselves together. They were ready to do Saul's bidding, follow his orders implicitly. They were going to obey entirely whatever he had to say. They weren't individuals going here, there, and yonder, doing their own things. No, rather, they joined together, united in one body to serve and obey one king. That is what the church ought to be. A united band under one king. A united band under one king. Doing the king's bidding, following the king's 
orders, making sure that the king is held in his highest place within the nation. And that ought to be the, 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 the desire. That ought to be the goal, the aim, the ambition of all those who belong to the church of Jesus Christ, united under one head. And so they were just a band of men. That's all they were called. But they were happy to identify with their king. It's very interesting to notice that although all the people shouted and said, God save the king. Note that detail in verse 24. All the people, Samuel said to all the people, See ye him whom the Lord hath chosen, that there is none like him among the people. And all, underline that little word, all, all the people shouted and said, God save the king. Although all shouted, God save the king, it was only a band of men who went with the king. Don't miss it, young people. Everyone else who made such a wonderful affirmation that particular day that, that Saul was their king, everybody else outside this band just went to their own house. I found in my own short Christian experience that there's plenty of people, and they say plenty, th- plenty of things, but only few ever follow after the king. Sadly, many pay but lip service to him. Just as the people in Israel's day, when they shouted, God save the king, but it was only lip service. Whenever the rubber hit the road and now the cost had to be paid in following through to follow after their king and the way was going to become difficult and the time was going to become rough, yet few, few were willing to identify themselves with Saul and such is the case whenever it comes to following after the king. When the troubles arise and the rubber hits the road, then all of our public affirmation It says we'll follow the king all fades away and we find ourselves running home. Don't be such a person. Don't be such a young person. Follow through. Go through with God. Third thing to note very quickly, their character. These men, this band of men, we note that their hearts God had touched. And there went with him a band of men whose hearts God had touched. It was a divinely initiated heart work that caused these men to cleave to their new king. I suppose we come now to understand really what it was that made them follow the king. It was simply that God touched their heart. It wasn't that he was handsome or that he was strong. It wasn't that they trusted in him, but simply that God had touched their hearts and they had fallen in love with their new king. I noticed that they didn't touch their own hearts. I also noticed that Saul didn't touch their hearts. But I do note that it was God who touched their heart. Young people, I would love to touch touch your heart tonight. I would love to touch it. I would love to go down and speak to you individually, one 
by one and tell you to get a grip, to understand that you've only one short life and it's going to soon be passed and to live for this world simply and to waste your life in this world doing your own thing and your own pleasure is a pointless exercise and you'll come to the end of your life and you'll realize that you've wasted your life having lived it simply for sin and self. But I can't touch your heart. Only God can do that. God needs to touch your heart tonight. God needs to touch hearts in this service. I would love to touch your heart so that from this night onwards you would follow after Christ. Notice another thing. Notice God didn't touch their heads. He touched their hearts. The heart, it's the seat of our affections. The heart, you see, Christianity is all about the heart. My son, give me thine heart. That if I shall confess with thy mouth and believe in thine heart, it's all about the heart. And whenever you touch the heart, you touch everything else. Everything else in the person is touched and changed whenever the heart is touched. Because whenever a person's heart is touched, their mind is touched, and their lips are touched, and their eyes are touched, and their ears are touched, and their hands are touched, and their feet are touched, and their wallet is touched, and their wardrobe is touched. And their music collection is touched. And their work life is touched. And their family life is touched. And the church life is touched. I wonder has your heart been touched. Now let me, let me get to you tonight young people. I'm almost finished. Let me ask you first of all. Has your heart been touched in salvation? That's what happened Lydia. In Acts chapter 16 we read. That on the Sabbath, Paul went out to the city by the riverside where prayer was wont to be made. And we sat down and spake unto the woman which resorted hither. And a certain woman named Lydia, seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshipped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended to the things which were spoken of Paul. Has your heart been touched in salvation? And then subsequent to that, has your heart been touched in the work of sanctification? I want you to be honest with me. I want you to be honest with God. You're a Christian. When's the last time God touched your heart in a church service? When's the last time? When did you last feel him? And sense him speaking into that soul of yours. When did you last sit and feel that your heart had been touched by God? When did you last feel God touch your heart in prayer? When you opened the Bible? When you worshipped him? He touches hearts to sanctify us to set us apart and to make us holy. I say we need young people, we need older people in our churches whose hearts God has touched. You know, folks, it's all very well and good having filled heads. 
but alongside filled heads, we need fired hearts. Fired hearts. And you'll get a fired heart whenever God touches it. God, touch my heart. Will you say that tonight? God, touch my heart. Because you see, whenever their hearts were touched, these men were happy to identify themselves with their king. I tell you, young person, if God touches your heart, you'll not be embarrassed at work to be called a Christian. And you'll not be embarrassed at school to be called a Bible-believing Christian. You'll be happy to identify with your king because he's touched your heart. One final quick thought, their commitment. There were things that could have discouraged these men from giving themselves over to the service of their king. Firstly, as we've said, it was only a band of men that went after Saul that day. The majority of people went home. Only a few followed their king. And that can be a great discouragement when it comes to following the king of kings in 2023. Maybe there's only a handful of people in your youth fellowship. Maybe there's only a few young people who go to your church. Maybe you're the only young person that goes to the midweek prayer meeting. Young person, don't let numbers stop you from following the king didn't stop these men. And they were simply following an earthly king. Why would it stop us following the greatest king? Secondly, the enemies of Saul, the sons of Belial, they were disparaging in their remarks concerning Saul. And yet that didn't affect their commitment to these men. The ungodly will always disparage Jesus Christ. They'll always mock him. They'll always scorn him. And because of your identification with him, they'll mock you and they'll scorn you. They'll call you the Bible basher. They'll call you all the names. I don't know what's the normal name that you're called now at school or university, but they'll call you names. But don't let the enemies of the gospel and what they say about heaven's keen or what they say about his followers, don't let it stop you from wholly following after the Lord. Because regardless of what others were doing and what others were saying about their new king, these men were just committed and following after him. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to follow Saul. And that ought to be our resolve. Whatever they say, whatever they say about him, and whatever they say about me as one of his followers, it matters not. I'm going to go through. I'm going to go through all the way with him. I'm going to follow him. Till my dying day, I'm going to follow my king. Young people, God still touches hearts today. May he touch that heart of yours just now. That will result in you following him for the rest of your life. This king sadly let these men down. He became a very terrible disappointment to them. Never, never will Christ be a disappointment to his people, his followers. He is no disappointment. Follow him 
ask God to touch your heart. He will. And then follow him until he either comes or calls. May God bless his word to our hearts. Let's pray together. I'll briefly pray, and then Mr. Patterson will continue in prayer, and I'm sure he'll close out the meeting. Can I just say that I am here, and many another minister is here. We're here to help you. If you're not a Christian, you would love to become a Christian tonight. Speak to us. We're here. We'll be floating about. That doesn't mean I'm going to be gravitating around the building in some kind of way. I don't do that type. There's not that type of floating about, but I'll be about Just draw beside myself or another minister, another Christian, your youth leader. Speak to them. Settle this matter. Say, God touched my heart in that meeting. God has dealt with me. Maybe you've been wandering. You've been going after other kings, other loves. Tonight, God's touched your heart. Thank God for that. Maybe you're a young Christian. You want to go right through with God. Follow him all the way. You do that. Resolve to do it. Just take these moments and say, Lord, I'm going to follow thee. I'm going to follow thee. The King of glory, I'm going to follow thee. May God help you. Father in heaven, take thy word, that which has been of thee. Apply it to hearts, we pray. Touch hearts. Through the word, the word touches the heart. Is not my word like as a fire? Oh, touch the heart, fire the hearts of thy people. Take away our coldness and our divided hearts, we cry to thee. Touch our hearts, divinely touch, not touched by a preacher. That'll never last. Oh, but touched by God. That will endure. Touch these hearts of ours. Bless thy servant as he now continues in prayer. We pray. God and our Father, we thank Thee for our meeting tonight. We can say, Lord, that Thou hast been here. We bless Thee for helping Thy servant to deliver the word that Thou hast given to him. Saw ye him, whom the Lord calleth. Saw ye him, whom my soul loveth. O God, we pray. Closing seconds of this meeting. And some young person would look away by faith. And see Christ, the altogether lovely one. As they've never seen him before. But thank the Lord. He's the fairest of ten thousand. We thank the Lord he's head and shoulders above all other. Oh God, we bless thee. He is the king of kings. He is faithful. He is mighty to see. And Lord, I pray that thou would touch hearts tonight. Touch those that have professed faith in Christ. That they might be like Caleb of old and holy. Follow the Lord. Pray, Lord, you touch all their hearts in salvation. This might be the very night. Thou will reach down and save them by thy grace. Now, Lord, accept of our thanks. 
for being with us this evening. For giving us food for our souls. And I pray you'd bless our further time of fellowship together. Thank you for the good things provided. Bless them to our bodies. Lord, I just thank thee tonight for every youth fellowship that's represented here. The young people that thou was given to us. Oh God, what potential should these lives be given and consecrated over to thee. Lord, speak on and the preacher's voice is silent. Later on, bring us home safely. Oh God, we pray thou would lead us higher up the mountain with thyself. For we ask these things in Jesus' name and for God's great eternal glory. Amen.